He was convinced there was a God. He saw that as he stared into the starry night sky from a United States ship off the coast of Guatemala. That conviction, however, didn't mean anything to him. Like many who believe that a God exists, his life wasn't affected. He was a hard-charging, ambitious man. He earned a law degree after serving his time in the military and became involved in politics. He had volunteered before in the world of politics and learned some dirty tricks. Now he ran a campaign using those dirty tricks and making up a few of his own, and his candidate won. In time, his ambition took him to the side of the most powerful politician in the world, the President of the United States. He was the President's legal eagle, the chief counsel in the White House. In his office, he continued to engage in dirty tricks. This resulted in his being fired and ultimately going to jail. But before he went to jail, he met Jesus and began to write a Jesus story which still impacts the world today through the ministry he founded. Today, I'll tell his Jesus story and I'll share his name at the end of this podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Jesus Stories. I'm George Taylor, your storyteller. We tell the stories of people who follow Jesus writing their own Jesus story in the process. These stories come to you because of the support you offer us, both monetarily and in prayer, and we thank you for that. If you'd like to join those who do support us, check out our website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab. That's jesusstories.info. Today, as I'm recording this podcast, it is Memorial Day in the United States. On this day, we remember and honor those who served in our military and gave their lives in that service. Wikipedia tells me that all the countries of the world, except for 21 of them, have military services. So at this time, I'm going to extend the Memorial Day remembrance of our fallen military men and women to those of all the militaries in the world with a prayer. Most Holy Father, Jehovah God, I come today on behalf of the families who have lost loved ones while in service to their respective countries. This is a hurt which has been known to extend into generations. I pray for comfort and peace for those families. I pray for safety for those who currently serve. Thank you, Father, for providing the example of selfless service that these men and women have emulated in Jesus Christ. I pray in his name. Amen. ambition. This ambition took him all the way to the White House to serve beside the President of the United States. But in the work to re-elect their boss, the staff of this president engaged in illegal activities. Our man was chosen to take the fall for these activities and became the first to lose his job. 
He began rebuilding the law practice he had founded prior to his government service. Seeking to land a large American corporation as a client, he visited the chief executive officer of that company, a man who would become a friend to him. While in that meeting, the CEO offered our man his story of how he had come to meet Jesus and invited our man to call him if he wanted to know more. His life, he said, had been empty and pointless. Now things have changed. Attitude values the whole bit. This conversation made our man uncomfortable, and he chose not to continue the talk. Meanwhile, our man's prior political life and his dirty tricks were catching up with him. The press was incessantly camped outside his home. Bomb threats were called to his home. Seeking to escape these events, he took a trip north. While there, he visited with his friend, the CEO, again. Our man's troubles had caused him to look inward. He saw that he, too, was feeling empty. And in his visit with the CEO, he was told, I would go to the office each day and do my job striving all the time to make the company succeed. But there was a big hole in my life. I began to read the scriptures looking for answers. Something made me realize I needed a personal relationship with God. <laughs> this is too simple, our man thought. The conversation went back to the dirty tricks that were haunting him. They were the fault of others, not our man. The CEO pulled out a classic book by C.S. Lewis entitled Mere Christianity. And in that book, there is a chapter called The Great Sin. It's about pride. Our man's friend began to read aloud. There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians, ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. I've heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, or that they cannot keep their heads about girls or drink, or even that they are cowards. I do not think I have ever heard anyone who was not a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who was not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes man more unpopular, and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I am talking about is pride or self-control, and the virtue opposite to it in the Christian morals is called humility. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Our man heard the words, but he wasn't ready for them. More reading followed, this time from the scriptures. Then his friend asked our man if he could pray for him. Now, our man didn't know how to respond, but he really couldn't refuse. So the prayer began. Later, our man wrote, As he began, something began to flow into me, a kind of energy. 
Then came a wave of emotion which nearly brought tears. I fought them back. It sounded as if he was speaking directly and personally to God, almost as if he were sitting beside us. Our man left with reading materials for his drive home, and as he drove, he began to sob, crying so hard he couldn't see to drive. So he pulled off on the side of the road. He began praying himself. God, I don't know how to find you, but I'm going to try. Well, Jehovah God promises that those who seek him will find him. So our man went on a quest. And while on his vacation, he began digging into the materials he'd been given by his friend. He dissected the logic of mere Christianity. He found the passage where Lewis asserts that Jesus was either Lord, lunatic, or liar, and there were no other alternatives. Our man said, there was my choice. As simple, stark, and frightening as that. It wasn't long after this that our man surrendered his life to Jesus. Back home, he continued working at his law practice, but the illegal political activities were intruding. And in this agonizing time, he found a small group of Christian men who gathered regularly for prayer. To his amazement, this was a bipartisan group whose members included him as a brother, even though some of them had been political enemies. Through this group's teaching, our man learned that this newfound relationship with Jesus was not something he used for political gain. He was supposed to stay above the political fray. But the politics would not leave him alone. He was the chief target of a special prosecutor. He was offered a plea bargaining deal, but he would have to lie to accept the deal. It would allow him to continue to practice law, but it was a lie. And our man was uncomfortable with the idea of lying, even if it would save his own skin. Would this honor Jehovah God? Would it be what Jesus would want him to do? His family stood with him in his decision to refuse the deal. Instead, he voluntarily confessed to a crime he did commit. He decided to make this confession and leave the results in the hands of Jehovah God. At the court hearing, the judge threw the book at our man, one to three years in prison. As he left court, he proclaimed, what happened in court today was the court's will and the Lord's will. I've committed my life to Jesus Christ, and I can work for him in prison as well as out. In mid-July 1974, our man became prisoner number 23226. He undertook serious Bible study while in prison. In his study, he realized that the man who had worked alongside the President of the United States could call his fellow prisoners brothers. He decided that he had to have some fellowship like the circle of friends he had while outside of prison. That was going to be hard to accomplish, but God was working. There was another Christian, a passionate man, and our man and this man prayed for a fellow prisoner who needed a positive hearing from his parole board so he could be released to help care for his five children. The result was the miracle they prayed for. He was released. This opened the door for our man to assist other prisoners, and he began to see the world through their eyes. But life in prison was hard. His family was having to cope without him. 
His son had been arrested for drug possession. A chance for release was refused by the judge. Our man was feeling the weight of his situation. A friend visited him with the advice to listen to his own words. Turn all of this over to Jesus. Well, he did. And our man called it a real mountaintop experience. Meanwhile, outside prison, Jehovah God was working. And as a result, our man was released early from prison. But his prison time haunted him. He dreamed of a conversation he had had with his prison friends with a challenge. You'll be out of here soon. What are you going to do for us? With promptings from Jehovah God, our man developed a ministry to take prisoners out of their environment for a retreat to engage in Bible study and leadership training. This ministry began in one prison and has spread internationally. Beyond the prisons, our man sought to impress changes on society. Why were people in prison to begin with? Our man saw it as a moral failure. Crime begins when children are not given adequate moral training, when they do not develop internal restraints on impulsive behavior. Thus began one long string of efforts to effect changes in society, to combat the culture with a view that centered upon Jesus and the power of the cross. Who is our man? You've probably guessed already. This is the Jesus story of Chuck Colson. You may be aware of his ministry, Prison Fellowship Ministries, or the Angel Tree Project, which provides Christmas gifts for children of prisoners. He fought for justice reform through the Justice Fellowship, authored countless books, honored those who fought with him against social injustice and slavery through the Wilberforce Award. He sought to reconcile differences between Protestants and Catholics. This dynamo of activity shone the light of Christ in dark places in the world where human trafficking, civil war, and other injustices occurred. All of this good came as he wrote his Jesus story with all of his life efforts after being caught in political dirty tricks. Jesus can change a man's life for good. These Jesus stories come to you thanks to your support and your prayers. Thank you for that. You can find out how you can help by visiting with us on our website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab. So what about you? Do you have a Jesus story to tell? A testimony of God's love and grace in your life? I'd love to hear it. Write to me by visiting the website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Talk to Us tab. So will there be a Jesus story extra for this episode? You better believe there will. Check out patreon.com. The link is on our website for an excerpt from the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity. Accessing these extras does require a donation of as little as $3. In two weeks, I'll have you a new Jesus story. I invite you to join me then. God bless. Sweet.